You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org. It is time to get the band back together. You're listening to Cornfield Theology. Hey everyone, Pastor Sean here, pastor of Redemption Hill Church, located in the Des Moines metro, and I have a friend who's on the podcast today. You know him, you love him. His name's Brooks Sevchek. Brooks, how you doing, man? I am doing very well, and uh, it's always good to get the band back together, and I, I I really miss creating these Cornfield Theology podcasts and hanging out, talking theology with yeah. you and so this is this is just a wonderful a wonderful time for me this is like the highlight of my highlight of my week right here yeah dude it's it's good to see you i mean we're we're distance of course you're in the twin cities and here in the des moines metro but man we got some history you uh were a part of uh, establishing and implanting redemption hill church and then you left you loved me and then you left me it <laughs> seems to be the story. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we miss you, man. The whole church misses you. So, but I'm really excited. Uh, part of the reason why um, I had you on the podcast is so that we can discuss a topic that you've thought a lot about throughout your life. You're involved with professionally, um, and that is missions, right? And so, uh, yeah. in, light, in light of that, give a give a quick bio um, of yourself and and why this topic of the meaning and the purpose of missions is, is speaks to your heart. So I I've seen the need and heard the call to world missions since I was in high school, something I've always been passionate about. And as the Lord does, uh, I, I, he has helped me to refine my understanding of missions and uh, even to, to refine the passion in my heart and place it in a, in a, in a specific direction as I read through the scriptures and so it's been something that I've been passionate about and studied a lot. I, I now work as uh, the marketing manager for a college that trains missionaries. Yep. And if you don't know about marketing, a, a lot of what I do is keep my ear to the ground and, and uh, studies and talking to people who are interested in missions. And so I get a feel for different denominate because we're an interdenominational school, the state of missions around the United States, which is really interesting. And uh, the state of people feeling called to missions and the desire to go and how people are thinking about that. And uh, I've got a good grasp of the changes just through my job. My wife and I are still also looking to go overseas as missionaries in, uh, in the future. So yeah. it's definitely something I, you know, got a lot of experience thinking about and studying and really enjoy it. Um, so that, yeah, good. this is a good topic for me. I still have a dream to have you and your wife, Hannah, come back to the motherland redemption to redemptional church. And we send you out. <laughs> I think that's a very plausible dream. I wouldn't give up on that. <laughs> I'm not giving up, man. Let's I'm keep, gonna, let's make it happen. Yeah. To the point though, uh, you, you, um, have thought a lot about missions, global missions in particular, it's on your heart. It's where you work. So you, I think you have a level of expertise to offer not only myself, but to everyone who's listening or watching on YouTube. Um, Let's start. Let's start with this particular question. Just kind of an introduction. What is the state of missions throughout the world? Like, get I ask that question with like, what is the big picture overview? You know, let's say you know someone gets saved, they get plugged in a local church, and all of a sudden they're like, "What's this? What is missions? What do you mean by that?" 
How would you respond? Uh, so there's a few ways to come at that. I mean, number one, I would say there's still a large need throughout the world. Uh, and we'll talk more about what the need of missions is later. Uh, but the change that I've seen in the culture of missions uh, and in evangelical churches, which yeah. is what we are, we're evangelicals, uh, it has been mar- very uh, clearly marked over the last 10 or so years. We have the culture has changed very drastically for two reasons. I think one is one is just cultural change in the United States. So healthy churches are always going to be concerned with missions, but as culture changes in the United States, healthy churches also begin to face inward difficulties, inward battles. And so when, when churches start to focus inwardly, pastors start to focus inwardly, the preaching, the, the, the preaching starts to focus on internal things, uh, the external aspect of missions kind of dies down, which is what I've seen through, uh, through different studies. And, uh, this is, you know, something I've noticed is I think missions in general is just losing some of its velocity in the United States, just because of we're, we're focusing elsewhere. Um, and the second thing is if you, if you were here like 10 to 15 years ago, I think you would see a huge culture of celebrity pastors and conferences, all of them talking about missions and pushing young people to go to the mission field. Like you're thinking like passion conference, Urbana, John Piper, Francis Chan, David Platt, like all these guys were really influential in calling young people to want to go overseas as missionaries. And I wouldn't say they've died down entirely, but that, that culture is certainly uh, dwindling in the U S you know, what's interesting about that particular culture and the impact it ha- has had on missions is that I, I pushed back against celebrity pastor culture, which I know you would as well. But one of the unintended consequences is what you're saying is like, you know, <laughs> no longer are they up there in front of hundreds, you know, thousands of people, right? You know, saying you need to go to the mission field. You need to go overseas. There's a 1040 window that needs you. Uh, those those voices right. are, are missing. And uh, that's how. Yeah, yeah. There's been good and bad things. Overall, I would say it's yeah. probably a pretty good thing uh, that people are focusing more on their local church and their local pastors. And that's good because your your pastor is the person, your pastors are the people that God has put uh, over you to shepherd your soul and to, and to guard you and guide you. And so it's wonderful that we're putting a lot more emphasis on serving in the local church and, our lo- and, and sitting under the preaching of our local pastors but also that there were really dynamic and influential voices that were pushing people toward good things um, that just, they don't have as much of a voice and it's different for different people. I think it, I don't, wouldn't say there's one thing that caused uh, this celebrity pastor culture to start losing its, its velocity. I I think it was just a bunch of different things that happened at once. And, and this, it's where, this is where it's left us. And all of this is something like if you're in a local church or you're in one particular area, you might not notice this as much, right? So everyone's going to have a different experience, but I'm talking about like large scale evangelicalism in the United States, right? You could right. be in a local church that still loves to go to the passion conference every year and listens to every David Platt sermon and you know, do cares about you know what I mean? Thing. Like your experience yeah. may not, your experience may not be this. You might not notice this, uh, but, but large scale, there is, there is some dwindling in that culture and yeah. that has caused, the interest in missions to go down in the United States, which, which means, and I'm talking, I'm preaching to myself now, man. It's like, which means local church pastors need to take up the mantle if they haven't already and talk about the importance of missions. We need to be willing to send our best out to go. That 
it's so hard when local church pastors, they find someone who's passionate about ministry, godly men and women who really want to make a difference in the world. Uh, and especially godly men, when pastors find those guys, they yeah. don't want to let them go. Correct. They want to bring them back into the local church. They want to send them through, through seminary and bring them back as ministers. They don't, they don't want to send them out. It's hard to lose your best people. And uh, that's, that's exactly what missions requires of local churches is I, I have to be willing to lose my best people right. and uh, push them outward. And, and it, it all comes back to the job of a pastor is not to be the only minister, but to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And, uh, and that's, that's what you're supposed to be doing is equipping people for the work of ministry in, here and, and all over the world. That's good. And, and this is a good segue into another point I want to make is that a pastor is ascending pastor because God is ascending God, right? Like God mm -hmm. sent his son on mission. Yeah. It's really important to talk about God as ascending God. The, the whole point of missions, the reason why it's important, this is what I wanted to get back to earlier, is because of who God is. I, I think that theology has a lot of different branches, right? You can think of like uh, soteriology or the, you know, our theology of salvation. There's pneumatology, our theology of the Holy Spirit. And all of, all of theology kind of, to me, comes almost like spokes on a central hub. And the central hub is our theology of God, our theology proper. Mm -hmm. And missiology is one of those spokes, right? So just for example, you can look at soteriology and you start to ask the question, okay, Calvinism versus Arminianism. But if you don't have the central hub of the sovereignty of God, the holiness of God, the love of God, the justice of God, the triune nature of God, the incarnation of the second person of the Trinity, the son of God, uh, and the, the relationship between the members of the Trinity in the, in the covenant yeah. of, of redemption, then we don't understand you, when you can look at verses and understand election and go to Calvinism or, or you know, wherever you're going. Um, but you're going to have a very weak doctrinal stance because you don't have the foundation of the doctrine of God. And it leads to a lot of confusion. And the same is true with uh, missiology. I think one of the biggest problems in the culture of missions and in the strategy of missions today is that we do missiology before we do proper theology proper. Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, so for, for, for me, I, I, like I'm looking at missions, why am I passionate about missions? And the most central thing to why I'm passionate about missions. Why any Christian should be passionate about missions is because we look at a God who is infinitely holy, who is the creator and sustainer of all life and gives all people on earth life and breath. And we look at a God who has uh, come for his people and died on the cross as a sacrifice for them. He died in their place as a substitutionary sacrifice. And we think God deserves the worship of all people everywhere. And it is a grave injustice against God that there are people all over the world who do not glorify him with their lives. It's a grave injustice to God that there are people all over the world who don't worship him. Mm -hmm. And for us, the, the part of the heart of missions is that we want to create worship. We want to bring people into reverence. Right. And so missionaries and mission strategies also should be from the heart of, I revere God highly. It should come from a very high theology proper. And, and part of that is God is ascending God. Uh, God, some people say the first missionary was Jesus, that right. God yeah. came, the second person, the Trinity took on humanity and, uh, and, and, and came and as, a, then, as a man. 
And then the spirit was sent as well. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, was, exactly. And then, John, Jesus, is like the Holy spirit's coming as well. So be prepared. And then he came, we see in acts two. Yep. Uh, yeah. So it's God is a sending God and God didn't just send uh, his son, and his Holy spirit. The father didn't just send the son and the Holy spirit, uh, but God has called his people to go. And so missions comes from the nature of God. And so I, I, I really hope that anyone interested in missions, any pastor preaching on missions, they have to start with a very high view of God. Like, don't, don't start by reading a book on missiology. Start by reading J.I. Packer's Knowing God. Correct. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or Desiring um, God by John Piper. I mean, pick, pick, pick a book that's just going to stir your heart to worship God personally <laughs> and then work outward. <laughs> And uh, we'll talk about this in a minute too, but a, a lot of the mission strategies that we see are not around creating worship of God. That's just not, that might be like a secondary or a tertiary point to what we're attempting to do, um, but they, they don't come from a high theology proper. Yeah. So coming out of theology proper, we, our theology proper is founded and rooted in scripture in Holy scripture. So lead us Absolutely. to some lead us to some specific texts that that marry theology proper with with a clear understanding in Holy Scripture that God is sending. He he is he has sent His Son. He has sent the Spirit, and now He is sending us. So what any particular passages top of your head? Even even if they're well yeah. known, you know, quoted one or, of the one of probably the most famous passage passage in the Bible about missions. Is also one of the most famous Trinitarian passages in the Bible. Absolutely, I know. Yeah. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Uh, Jesus, uh, before he ascended into heaven, one of the last things he told his disciples to do was to go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, and baptize them in the all name nations. of the Father, all of nations, the Son, <laughs> and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah all nations, which is a hard, it's a crazy command for us to think about yeah. uh, all nations and all, all people and from all time. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the crazy thing to me is I think time is passing by and it's, it's not something I can affect. And so there, there are people and nations and tribes and tongues all over the world of people who don't have access to the gospel, who don't believe the gospel. Uh, and there's, we've got our generation of people who, who needs that. And there will come another generation to get to those nations as well. But time, time is passing for the people who are there now. And so there's, there's a lot of urgency to missions, but the, anyway, my, my point around Matthew 28 was that Jesus's idea of making disciples of all nations and making disciples is at the heart of, of missions. Mm -hmm. Jesus's idea of making disciples of all nations was grounded in Trinitarian theology. It was grounded in the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. Yeah. And, 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 the, and the teaching component is really important. Go therefore make disciples, teaching them my commandments. <laughs> yeah to and obey so, to obey so it's not just the evangelism but it's it's the discipleship it's like we're going to go right. tell we're going to share the gospel now we're going to come alongside and teach we're going to walk with you this mm -hmm. is what it means to be a christian this is what it looks like when you are saved by the grace of the gospel it takes on a distinct look and flavor or, or as we've seen scripture an aroma yeah there, there there's a there are I don't want to be too overly critical of missions and the state of missions in the world now, because it's, it's wonderful that there are so many, many thousands of people who are uh, sacrificing to make yeah. the name of Christ known among the nations. Yep. But there, there's a lot of problems in both directions of people who go and they don't proclaim the gospel. 
They, mm-hmm. they just, they go over and they try to make an impact and hope somebody asks them, but they don't go and they, and they don't go and proclaim the gospel right. uh, that, which is evangelism. And then there's the problem on the other end where they proclaim the gospel, but there's no, there's no discipleship. And uh, so the, the work that the missionary does kind of stops with them and so, uh, they don't equip the people there to continue. Let's, on. let's put a pin in that for a moment so we can get some, make sure we got some definitional things taken care of uh, yeah. very succinctly. Uh, give give a a definition to the term missionary. I know it seems common sense, but but just a quick one or two sentences. What is a missionary? It's it seems common sense, but there there are a lot of disagreements about this about what a missionary is. Right. In my understanding, I would say it really isn't super important. And and the reason why I don't think it's very important is because missions and missionary it's not necessarily a biblical term. Um, like what like when I I think of like um discipleship right, right. Uh, or disciples that i would be very nitpicky about the definition of that word because it's a biblical word so right. i want to define right. it and yep. use it the way that god meant when he wrote it uh, but missions is not a term that that i'm aware of in uh, in the scripture the idea is gleaned from scripture certainly um i i would define missions as the act of going to another culture for the sake of making the name of christ known Mm-hmm. to, to people who don't, who don't know it. And so there, some people disagree and they don't, they say, they don't say it's to another culture. They just say missions is uh, evangelism and discipleship. And so I can do missions in my backyard. I can do missions in my community. Right. Uh, but, but I, I think that the, the missiology, the study of missions and the philosophy, the philosophy of missions is focused on intercultural work. So I would say it's right. inter, interculturally uh, moving into another culture and that another culture could be moving from the Midwest United States to the Southern United States. And you're moving a little bit culturally to make the name of Christ known. I, w- I would consider that intercultural yeah, sure. um, missions, uh, but it also could be moving from the Midwest United States to the heart of, to the, the hardest and darkest places of China, yeah. uh, which it's a very different thing, but there, there has to be some uh, cultural, cultural stuff taking place there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider missions planting a church in our backyard. Yeah, I, so. I would say that's a, a worthy work that is church planting uh, in our own culture, in our own, in our own places. It's essential to the, to the, um, the survivability of the local church. The local church thrives and lives through church planting in our own communities, but it's not, I wouldn't consider that missions. So what I, my take on this would be what I think historically speaking, when someone said missions or missionary, they thought of a person who, you know, got on the airplane, went to a different culture, kind of what you're describing. I think what's happened. I wouldn't necessarily call airplanes historic, but they probably got on a boat. <laughs> You're trying to be funny. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think that uh, there there has been a shift in terms of the definition. I think you point out rightly, like there's not like we don't see it explicitly in scripture like we do with discipleship, and so we're at, we have some liberty of, of creating our own definitional boundaries. And this is where I get a little broader because as we look at America in particular, we're actually a very uh, global country, right? We have cultural pockets and we, we are well represented when you think about the nations. In addition to that, what I don't want to miss is that every Christian is a missionary. And so uh, while on the one hand, I, I want to make a distinction you know, with a person who feels called to go to the 1040 window, for example, I think that's really important that needs to be supported. I don't want to miss that the guy in in the chair or the pew who's called to be a missionary in his workplace. 
you know, he, God's calling him to evangelize his coworker and tell him about Jesus and then participate in the discipleship process. So I'm only bringing that up because just to acknowledge, I would hold a broader view, but I think generally speaking, there's a, uh, an understanding uh, about the heart behind missions and the importance of it, whether it is locally or globally. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I think, it, like I said, it's not it's not super important because missions is not yeah. a biblical word. So for me, like I would say the person who is going into their workplace shouldn't think of themselves as much as of a missionary as they would just a minister. Uh, yeah, right. right. So like pastors, pastors are supposed to be equipping their people for the work of ministry. We believe in the, the priesthood of all believers. Right. I would think you go into your workplace knowing I'm a minister of the gospel. Um, but but again, missions, it could be broad. It could be some people would say like, I mean, I said that you could go from the Midwest to the Southern yeah. US. Uh, and a lot of people disagree with me about that and say you're only missionary yeah, right. for moving at least two degrees of culture away, you know, so yeah, I, I can definitely see where that's important, especially when there's ambiguity around the term. Like maybe that lands on your congregation a little more when you tell them, hey, you're a missionary to your workplace. You're a missionary to your neighborhood. Yeah. That probably lands a lot, a lot more. Yeah. So now let's talk more about methodology. You've already kind of dabbled into methodology, but now let's kind of really focus in on it because this is where people will truly disagree on how to do missions. In your experience, what are some errors that the American church, the American evangelical church has made? I don't want to pile on, but just clear, like this is not a healthy way to do missions. In your experience, where have you seen some of the unhealthiness regarding missions? And I mean more globally here. It's getting on the airplane or on the boat and and, and heading out to a different culture, different language entirely. So I'll talk a little bit about just the way we do missions in general and I'm not really sure I have the perfect way, um, but I'll, I'll talk a little bit about what I think the biblical model of missions is. So the, the most common way missions is happening around the world is through social work. So that that's by, like by a long shot, the most common missional strategy is to go to a community in need and try to meet that need in some way. So you see that with like with people starting orphanages. Uh, with charity and uh, and financial support, you see that with people going and volunteering their time, uh, and they build houses or dig wells or things like that. That that is by far the most common strategy of missionaries. Not even just like short term missions. I'm sure everyone, when I say that, is thinking like, oh yeah, I did that on a trip to Guatemala or or Zambia or something like that. That's mm -hmm. the most common strategy of missions. Just broadly, it's it's social work, and um, I I think that there is something to be said about the, the missionary take, they become part of the culture, become part of the community. And uh, at any Christian living in any community needs to be part of, uh, of making that community great. And so I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but I, I really don't think that social work sh should be the number one priority of a missionary. And that's by far what, what's happening. Correct. Um, so mercy ministries, for example. Um, mercy. Yeah. That's an, another word for it. Yeah. So uh, the orphanage, for example. Uh, mm -hmm, exactly. Up, goes to the orphanage, cares for the kids, but there's really no gospel. It's just you know. And, and by the way, I mean, we we sympathize with the heart behind that because we see clear commands in Scripture, for example, to care for the orphan, care for the widowed, etc. But the question becomes, well, what about the spiritual matters that that mm -hmm. exist? How do you engage that? And and even if they are, I would say even if there is proclamation of the gospel, because there's a lot of there's a lot of great gospel believing churches and missionaries who follow in that strategy of missions. 
uh, and there's, they're proclaiming the gospel, um, but they're missing the mark on discipleship or they're missing the mark on church planting, yeah. or they just have priorities backwards. Some of the, like there's yeah. humans are so diverse in what we believe and what we're doing. And when there's many, many thousands of missionaries, everyone's doing something a little different, but in general, that focus on social work, either like in the best case scenario to me, that puts social work, primary church planting, secondary discipleship, tertiary. And that is that that's a, a bad hierarchy right there. Yeah. Um, and so I, I would not put that in that order. You know what I mean? And that's, that's almost always what's going to happen in the, in the best case scenario. And the worst case scenario, like you said, is I'm going to go dig a well and I don't share the gospel with anybody. Yeah. And I think another thing that's begun to change in American missions, at least within the evangelical church, is that it used to be that, you know, the white American Christian comes in as kind of the savior, right? And they're the mm-hmm. one, they're the missionary and they're the one who's the pastor and they're the one that everyone looks to with very little thought to how do I get people who are local to do this? How do I disciple right. someone locally so that I can actually hand off the very thing that God has tasked me to do? And so, for example, let's say Sean Powers goes to, uh, let's just pick a country, Ghana, right? I go to Ghana, I plant a church, uh, a bunch of people start coming. Um, but the question becomes like, I'm not from Ghana. I'm still Sean Powers, who's an American. There's a lot of cultural disconnect. Is there something that I can do to disciple another man to be like, hey, listen, I think God might be calling you to be a pastor of this particular local church. And in time, I want to hand it over to you because I think that's, I think that's, that's a healthy way to, to, do, to do this. What, what are your thoughts on something like that and those kind of shifts? Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's wonderful. Missionaries, I think, should not think of themselves as uh, forever pastors of local churches. I think I would want to back up and say, just to kind of show my hand, I think that church planting is at the heart of missions. I would say church planting is central to missions and discipleship is central to, ch- to churches. So uh, discipleship, and, discipleship and church planting are the heart of missions. And so for a pastor to want to go and plant the church, uh, overseas, a missionary to want to go and plant a church, they often think I will pastor this church right. and that's my goal. And I'll be here for 27 years or something like that. Um, you cannot cross three cultural barriers of language, ethnicity, uh, and culture and, and pastor that church very well. That's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's not very plausible at all. And so I, I think that the work of church planting is the primary work, uh, but the work of church planting doesn't look like you pastoring the way you would in the West. I think that Correct. your goal should be to plant a local church, lead that local church for a time, and train up godly men to lead that church uh, into the future. That That's what it looks like. So I think that means getting together uh, one man, if you can, or however however many yeah. godly men you can find who are qualified for uh, for eldership and pastoral ministry, which is hard to find because first Timothy three and Titus one set really high expectations of pastor and elder. Um, but you disciple them, you help, you help them to meet those qualifications. You train them to teach, uh, and to teach sound doctrine. You, t- you train them to, uh, to be godly men and you, you train them to be leaders of the local church. That's the goal. And you want, you want national missionaries to be leading and you train them to train other people. And, and that's around kind of the movement model of missions, which, I have some issues with the movement model. There's multiple movement model, but I can talk about that in the future, but at the heart of church planting, it is equipping people who are nationals in their own culture to 
preach the gospel and lead the local church. That's what church planting looks like interculturally, or at least what it should look like. Yeah. And another challenge for an American Christian to go overseas and to plant a church is leaving American culture behind. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's almost mm-hmm. like, cause that we, we are who we are. You're right. You're raised in a particular environment, a particular way with particular values. And then we go and sometimes we import those values more than we do what we read in Holy scripture. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. we have to be very careful. If you feel, feel that call to, to discern, okay, what does God say? And then what is, you know, what has my culture been telling me and not import that. And, and it's, it's hard even to find the line of what to let go. Mm-hmm. And so people almost always err on the side of not letting go of enough. Um, but you have to, you have to realize when you're going to proclaim the gospel and live as a Christian among people who are not Christians, you, you're going to be culturally different and you're going to call those people also to be somewhat culturally different, but we don't want to call them to be Americans. Right. right? And we don't want to call their churches to be like American churches. Um, but we are calling them to live differently. We're calling them to, to, in a lot of ways, forsake their culture. And uh, we, I mean, we need to call Americans to do the same thing to forsake the culture of consumerism and pride and individualism and come to a culture of, of humility and community. Um, And that's that, and that same thing is going to happen and different cultures, they'll have different things you'll have to call them out of. Um, But for the the missionary, they often easily more easily see the problems with uh, the culture they're going to uh, than they do the problems with their own culture that they just came from. And so they, they, they don't let go of enough and you've got to, you've got to be willing to let go of your culture and your upbringing. And you have to have the biblical literacy to know the difference between Western culture and uh, the, and biblical Christianity. Correct. Which, which, which me, which puts such a high value on scripture in missions. So Bible translations, mm-hmm. I'm a huge supporter of Bible translators and um, those who are a part of Bible translating ministries, right? Because we have to have an objective truth that transcends the cultures, right? Mm-hmm. And so we if have to be driven back to the word of God over and over and over again to find out, okay, what does it mean to be Absolutely. a Christian? Not just an American Christian, not just a, a Christian in Ghana or, or Iran or whatever, but just a biblical Christian. And honestly, maybe we're making more concentric circles here, but like, You've got church planting and then a smaller circle, you've got discipleship. And then at the smaller circle at the heart of discipleship is, is the scriptures uh, Mm -hmm. teaching. Like we looked at in Matthew 28, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And uh, so honestly, if you've got a missionary overseas who is biblically illiterate, who is not able to teach, they should not be, you need to pull them back home. They, they should not be a missionary overseas. And uh, they, I, I think a huge problem is we don't consider missionaries ministers in the way we consider pastors uh, ministers, and we don't hold them to standards of, am I able to teach? And a lot of missionaries don't train with a solid biblical foundation. You have to have a solid uh, understanding of hermeneutics. You have to have a solid understanding of theology proper. You have to have a solid understanding of, of, of doctrine, and you, you can't go overseas without that. Right. And, um, I, you can sometimes see fruit from those things. I'm thinking like um, Philippians one, where you're preaching a, just a simple gospel. And despite your, your motives and who you are, God's working. That's a good thing. That's not the ideal. And you should not, that doesn't mean you should be over, over there preaching. Yeah. Um, I, the same so, thing's going on in the church planning movement as well. 
it's like if you have a pulse and a, a desire uh, here, we'll uh, throw some cash at you and go plant a church. You know, same thing with kind of the missionary, you know, do you have a pulse? Mm-hmm. You're, are you a Christian? You check the box. Yes. Okay. Uh, we'll send you out or you're able to go, whatever the case might be. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, yeah. I think your point is absolutely valid. Like you're called to teach. And so that means you got to have, you got to have a foundation of what you say is theology proper, which is right. So that you can teach so that you can disciple. We got to do this because <laughs> it gets us to this very simple fact. Uh, local churches in particular need to do a better job of equipping. We got to get discipleship right in our local churches so that when someone says, Hey, I want to go plant a church or I want to be sent overseas to be a missionary to, uh, to you know, a country in the 1040 window, we, we've already created that foundation in the local church for taught. And there's a place for seminaries in this as well. I wouldn't dismiss that. I'm, I'm a seminary grad. Uh, you're in the middle of, of, of it. So we're proponents of that. But we have to we have to bring a greater focus on the teaching component within our churches. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that would bring us back to movement, the movement model of missions. Yeah, which I just want to talk about because I, this this may be wrong to say, but in, in this has at least been my experience. I think that the movement models of missions are I, don't, I hesitate to call them fads because fads means like. It's horrible to me. Like it means it's really bad, uh, but they are the new fad. They're the new thing that everyone's kind of looking at right now. And uh, it's the shiny new button. Everyone wants to press. So, so describe it and for us. What is the movement model? So the movement model is at its heart, the different, there's multiple movement models, but at their heart, they all are. We want to do missions in a way that doesn't add to the church. It multiplies the church. So we're, we're equipping uh, movement. Basically, we want movements to happen where one turns into five, which turns into twenty-five, which turns sure. into one hundred twenty-five. That that kind of thing. And um, movements mean they rapidly happen. And almost all movements center around very small churches. Um, so, which is not, I wouldn't say that's necessarily a bad thing. But you're thinking like house churches uh, for the most part. Depends on the culture, but usually it's house lack churches. Ecclesiology, right? It's going to lack a strong ecclesiology. So there's two. There's two different movement models of missions that I think are prominent. One is the discipleship making movement model. And the other is the church planting movement model. Uh, The the church planting movement models typically has a pretty high ecclesiology. And so they're looking and they're saying, I want to plant a local church because I understand that Christians, no matter what culture they're in, no matter if it's missionary there or not, uh, they can't survive outside of the local church. They're made for community. They're made for, to, to be the church. Right. And so they're planting churches and the, the model of church planting movements is a missionary goes overseas. They see themselves as a movement catalyst. They're training up. They're not starting a church. They're training up five men to start a church. And then they send them out and train those five men to also start churches. And then the missionary continues to have five more and five more and five more. And you train them for every year or maybe two years at some sometimes and uh, help them to get off the ground. And so you're more of like a coordinator than you are a, uh, a pastor. Right. And so you're training people to be leaders and lead the local church and you're sending them out to plant. That's, that's kind of the church planting movement model. And the discipleship making movement model is more around uh, they make disciples and then send those disciples out to make disciples. And so largely like the, the, the model, the way I've seen that model used most um, and personally is through dis- uh, discovery Bible study. So you equip missionaries to go out and allow people to come in, discover the Bible for themselves, gain some biblical literacy, and then you send them out very quickly 
to do discovery Bible study on their own because you don't have to be a Christian for two years to start a discovery Bible study. You, you're kind of learning with right. everyone else. Right. Um, and so you see these Bible studies popping up everywhere and there's disciples being made. And um, even in that movement model, you probably see a lot of people who have a good view of the local church and they're wanting those disciples. Like the, the thing I've heard, I actually talked to someone who's a scholar on discipleship making movements and they, they said, well, you, when you have disciples, you have a local church. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you're that, that's what it is to them is you can't have a local church if you're not focusing on disciples first. And, um, the, the problem with both of those, I, there's a, there's different problems with each, but the, the problem with discipleship making movements is it's very, it's lack of ecclesiology, yeah. lack of biblical ecclesiology, which leaves the churches really unhealthy. Right. Um, and I think the problem with both of them is often that they send people out before they are ready to be sent out. Um, I, when it comes to discovery Bible study, like you, you don't have to be a Christian for five years to start a Bible study where you're learning with other people that you can be a Christian for two yeah. months and do that. That's yeah. fine. Um, but they're not equipped to lead. They're, right. they're just not. And especially in church planting movements, like you send a guy out who just became a Christian a year and a half ago. Um, that, that could be fine depending on the guy. Uh, but that's, that's very often very destructive. You don't have time to, to vet, their their qualification for ministry mm-hmm. you don't have time to train them to be uh biblically literate and to teach the scriptures well and uh so those those movements often are not geared toward disciples staying disciples long term um they kind of make it they they grow really quick and then they fizzle out even quicker than they grew mm-hmm. um and they're not equipped to to leave healthy local churches in the area the churches also fizzle out just as quickly as they yeah. as they came um, but I, I think there is something there that's good and that's the emphasis on multiplication instead of addition um i i also don't love the model that we would have seen prominent 200 years ago where you would go and you would start a church or start making disciples and that would be the one thing you do and you're leading the church and there's no multiplication happening and and you're not reaching communities and, and nations large scale and so it, this is really into the nitty-gritty but um i i think that my the perfect model for missions to me would be you go overseas and you spend your your time training men to lead local churches you spend the proper time with them and and you send them out and uh, you're you're functioning almost as a as a pastor to them and planting a local church in the kind process. of an apostolesque type type function. Yeah, or or you know what? Even just go plant a church, and while you have that church, train some men, leave mm-hmm. them in leadership, and plant another church. I think that's a really good model. Yeah. Um. For for missions. Yeah. So so we talked a little bit about ecclesiology. You know, I was thinking about John Calvin. What he said is that where you have where you have the sacraments administered and the Word of God preached and heard there you have a local church and so what he's, mm-hmm. what he's also assuming in that statement is that you have a polity you have you know what we see in the new testament elders and deacons and things like that and so calvin always proposed and was a proponent of strong ecclesiology in terms of what constitutes a local church and so while i i appreciate the heart behind some of these movement missions uh, you, you wonder, you begin to wonder, do we have the healthiest leaders in place to, to shepherd and guide people in a local church? That'd be the question mm-hmm. at hand. It gets back to, are you even equipped to teach and, and to, to, to what degree? So kind of gets yeah, back think to the whole, we got to be more like, careful. Think back on like First Timothy 3 and Titus 1, the qualifications oh, yeah. for eldership are very, very high. 
And uh, we may get really excited to make a huge difference around the world. And that's, that's fine. That's good that we're getting really excited for that, but you have to step back and say, I need to set up leaders who are going to be solid, that are going to meet the qualifications and that are going to glorify God. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is, I think is really important to, to the movement model of missions. That would be, that would be one thing I would say. And I I don't know if there is a perfect model of missions, um, there's yeah, not a perfect it, methodology. Missiologists would swear by their method or their, whatever they believe is best. Um, but I, I, I don't think in the Bible, I see this is the way I see some descriptive ways that, uh, missions was done in culture, like in, in acts, you see missions done to Jewish culture in a very different yeah, way than it was yeah. done uh, to Gentile culture. Yeah. And you see Jesus sending out people by two, uh, into their culture, into their culture, and so there, there are some descriptive ways that missions is done. I don't think there's anything prescriptive in the Bible about how missions ought to be done. Um, but the heart of it is God deserves worship and we will, yeah. we will go. And uh, the church is the place where worship happens. Yeah. And, and so I, we're, we're, we're planting churches and creating worship. And I would add God can, can use any flawed model. <laughs> God does use all these flawed, flawed model models. Let's say it that mm-hmm. way. To, and him. even the best model would have flawed people, you know, yeah. like you could have the perfect model and you're going to end up with a flawed leader sometimes right. or a flawed, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. So let me bring up another question for you, because I think this has been a tension, at least within let's say the 19th, 20th, now in the 21st century with, with missions in particular is the role of the local church, the law of a local church in sending missionaries um, we have at present large networks and institutions that tend to be the, the, the sending agency. You know, one thinks of the International Mission Board. Um, there's, there's several of them out there. But I think that sometimes has taken away, these, these agencies have taken away the authority of the local church to do the sending. Uh, is, that a, is that a correct evaluation? Yeah, I think that missions has become in way more complicated in the last 200 years uh, than it ever has been in the history of the local church. And not to say that's a bad thing, but that's created a lot of things uh, that local churches just don't feel like they can do. One, of, I, I don't mean to be overly critical again, but one of the most annoying things I hear from pastors all the time is, well, that's just not something I know how to do, whether it's counseling or sending yeah. missionaries. And so the, the thought of a pastor is I'm going to send them to do to someone who, who does know how to do it. Right. And, uh, and then there's no relationship with the local church. Um, but really the, the model that because, because local churches are at the center of Christian life um, and the biblical model of missions is through the local church. I think that local churches ought to be sending their people. Mm-hmm. So that leaves you with the question, what do I do with things that I uh, don't know how to do, like get you into a culture that I, or a country that is closed, uh, equip you to learn the language and uh, figure out the visas and handle member care and making sure, which is member care is making sure that the, the people overseas are, are cared for uh, pastorally and uh, in, in their life. And the answer is, I think I, I, would, I would be a local church who works with a mission agency that understands the centrality of the local church and missions. Yes. Um, for the missionary, the centrality is not on the mission agency and it should never be. It should be, uh, I, when I, when I, when I, when I ask a missionary, who, who are you sent out by? I don't want them to say, 
frontiers. I want them to say Redemption Hill Church and Waukee, Iowa. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, Even yeah. if they are going with frontiers, I want them to know like my church is who sent, who has sent me out. My church supports me. That's, that's the other thing. A lot of the reason why missionaries don't go with the local church is because of, they have to go to 15 local churches to get the funding to go overseas. Um, yeah. And when you're at 15 local churches, you've got your uh, allegiances for lack of a better word or in a, in a million different places. And so you see the one unifying factor in all of that is the mission agency that sent you out. Um, So churches, if you want to fix the problem of, uh, of missions, that's not centered around the local church, you've got to be willing to give over your best people and you've got to be willing to give up your money uh, to the work of missions. And it's just a hard thing to ask for, but not only money and your best people, but ongoing engagement with missionaries. I I mean, even today in the world of all the technological advancements that we have zoom calls to Skype to, you know, what we're doing right now, being, you know, separated by, you know, a four hour car drive. We, we, we actually have the ability to pastorally care for missionaries as a local church pastor more than we have ever in history. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, one thing's of an example, when I was pastor um, up in the twin cities where you're at, you know, with church where you go to, I was the, I was a pastor in charge of missions and we had missionaries that we supported uh, financially but we, we, well, in that role, I had to address the question, what does that mean for you pastorally? And so I made it a priority to be one, what are, what are missionaries that we can support long-term that we feel called to support long-term Two, how do I pastorally care for that person? And so mm-hmm. for some, I would sit up monthly meetings, quarterly meetings to pastorally check in and at the same time, encouraging missionaries to get involved and plugged in if, the, if possible into a healthy local church. If possible, that's not always the case. Um, if it's not the case in your, you know, predominantly Muslim culture, for example, then you then then the role of the local church pastor in the states becomes even more important and pressing to continue to care for that individual. Because here's what I know about missionaries: they can feel very isolated quickly. They can feel very alone mm-hmm. quickly. They need that ongoing care. So whether it's a local church that's on the ground that they they begin to plug into or that's the pastor back home, that that engagement needs to be consistent and ongoing. It's one way that that I think uh, pastors in the United States need to be thinking about missions. Yeah, I I honestly think that part of this also comes down to that we, we should be considering missionaries on the field, uh, pastors, and, and, and sending them out, not as, not as members of our churches, but we vet them as it, it depends on what type of missions you're doing. Cause if you are sending someone out to start an orphanage or something, that's, that's different. But if we're in what I would consider a more ideal situation in most cases where you are church planting and training men to be pastors, you should be qualified as a pastor. Your local church should consider you a pastor, possibly not of your local church, but a, but a pastor um, with that local church in some way. Mm-hmm. And that's, and, and once you go overseas, you're planting a local church, you've got a church of two or three people. I, this is, this is going to get into my ecclesiology, but I think you should have accountability from a broader body of elders than just those in your local church. Right. In other words, you should be a member of a denomination uh, that, that has a Presbyterian type polity, right. which is you original church is a member of Trinity fellowship churches, which provides accountability from a broader body of elders from other churches, other than the, your own local church. That's really important. Um, because granted, when you're a pastor of a church plant, you're not going to continue to be a minister or possibly even a member of your sending church. Mm. Your sending church is still your sending church, though. So, you know, 
I look to them, they're the ones praying for me. They're the ones supporting me. They're the ones celebrating with me when, uh, when, when the God does something through my work here overseas. They're the ones that are sorrowful with me when things are difficult. But you know, but um, but in general, I mean, as a, as a church planter, once you've got a church, I join a join a good denomination, join mm-hmm. Trinity Fellowship churches, or you know, something yeah. something along those lines. Yeah, that's good. Amen. So. Uh, final thought or final topic I want to want to talk about is that I feel like there is, and you mentioned this already, a lack of urgency within um, the American evangelical church to do missions. And we talked about some of those, you know, reasons why potentially, you know, how do we, how do we, how do we obtain a renewed sense of urgency when it comes to missions, when it comes to taking the gospel to the nations and teaching and making disciples? How do we truly live out Matthew 28? And then as we get into Acts one, right. And then, you know, we obviously walk through the book of Acts so that the gospel is preached, churches are planted. How do we re- get a renewed fire and focus for that? All right. So there is a trickle down principle that has been, very clearly proven in the last couple hundred years. Here's what it is. The reason that we have missionaries who are uh, gospel less or uh, that don't have a high view of God is because we have local churches uh, that, that are gospel less and don't have a high view of God. Or the reason why people in the local church aren't feeling the call to missions and seeing the need for missions worldwide is because we have churches that are not pushing them to do so. So it, it all comes back on the local church. The local church is the way it is because the pastors are the way they are. And largely some might disagree with this, but the pastors are the way that they are because seminaries are the way that they are. And so it it's, and then seminaries are the way they are because of academics and the way the academic, the, that scholars are. And, and so it all starts with the seminary needs to, the seminaries around the United States need to become very mission centered and work on uh, discipleship and missions as, as main components of their teaching uh, when they're teaching the Bible and yeah. uh, when they're teaching ministry. And that will take 20 years to get to the people in the local church, but it will get to the pastors in 10. And then in 10 more, it'll get to the people. Yeah. And then 10 more after that, we'll see, we'll see people spurred on to missions because we, we, it was doing well 10 years ago because we relied on celebrity pastors. Uh, that's not the direction to go again. The direction yeah. now is train local church pastors to care about missions and to push their people to missions it starts in the seminaries. That, that would be what I say. And if you're, it could just start with local, with local church pastors taking up the mantle as well. It doesn't have to start in the seminaries. I just think yeah. the seminaries are going to create lasting change, but yeah. if you're a pastor of a local church, think more missionally. Mm-hmm. push your people to missions, encourage them. Like even just pro don't, you don't have to like react to people who want to be missionaries, proactively find them and encourage them. Think of what men in your church uh, would, could go overseas, go up to them and ask them, Hey, have you ever considered being a, a missionary and talk to them about it? Like you can be proactive about that stuff. Preach it from the pulpit on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Uh, preach expository sermons so that you don't miss the miss- the missional passages of the Bible. Yeah, go to the book of Acts. Actually preach through the book of Acts, right? You, you're not going to miss uh, the missional thrust and the theology. I think one of the things we've done in in seminaries in particular and in the church is that we've we've almost like 
taken apart the missions and the theology. We've kind of made them separate categories. So you have your missions class over there. You got your systematic theology class over there. They got your hermeneutics class over there. And we have failed to train in such a way where we bring them together. We help people see how they're connected and related and how they work uh, from one another. You know what I'm saying? We've, we've done too much Absolutely. of the systematizing. We need to get back to like, no, this is all leading us to worship, the worship of the one true God, whether it's uh, talking about missions or theology. Missionaries have to be theologians and they have to be good theologians. Correct. That's it's, it comes down to that. And same thing with pastors. They need to be theologians. They need to be good theologians who see missions in, and preach it in the local church. Acts is a great book. If you want to, if you're a pastor and you're like, man, I really want to spark some desire for missions in my local church preach a series on acts, go through the book and like, just let, let the Holy spirit show you all the places where missions could be preached in acts. Cause there's a million of them. Yeah. That's what we did at a redemption Hill church after, after, you know, when we planted, we went through the book of Galatians because I wanted to put a priority on what is the gospel, right. And what is not the gospel. And then shortly after, you know, finishing Galatians, I'm like, you know what, now that we got a foundation of the gospel in place, what does that mean to preach that gospel and to be missionaries? You know, that's getting back to my definition of missionary, what does it mean for us to live out Acts? And so we took our sweet time, very, very sweet time. And we went through the entire book of Acts, you know, in the middle of COVID, by the way, <laughs> and all, you know, 2020. But it was good for our church. It was good for our church. Like they understand, I hope they understand that we are all on God's mission. We're all part of God's redemptive mission. And uh, to your point, like a fire for the global aspect of going overseas comes from what we read in places like the Book of Acts. So we have to we have to have a biblical and theological understanding of where, what God says and where we're headed. Right, we're headed to right worship ultimately. At the mm-hmm. end of the day. You know what, what spurred me on to missions was reading the Bible for yeah. myself. I think that you don't even have to read the missional passages of the Bible. If you get a no. gist for the gospel from the scriptures, you're going to go. And uh, I, I, I really, I understand this attitude, but I really don't like the attitude that we have that like missions is like twisting our arm and going when we don't want to go. Um, yeah. When the attitude in the scriptures is I've got the gift of the gospel how could i not share despite the leaders persecuting me despite the threat of death uh, the gospel the gospel is is good news and it's good news that needs to be shared with the world Um, and so people to read the bible yeah at any cost we share that and I think more and more as, as America becomes more secular, right? We become missionaries. We we have that sense that we are missionaries, hopefully more and more in our own culture. And maybe we yes. need to become a little more uncomfortable with being in American culture so that we can get a proper and better perspective of what it means to have this message, have this good news and share it with a broken and sinful world. Locally, Absolutely. where else? Only final thoughts on, on topic of missions, Brooks? No, I think just we wanted to recommend one book, uh, and yeah, that right. is Let the Nations Be Glad by John Piper. If you're, if you're looking for a good book to get your heart stirred about missions, oh, yeah. the meaning of missions, the method of missions, the heart of missions, read Let the Nations Be Glad by John Piper. It's a great book. Yeah, that, that'd be the, that'd be, I think we both agreed that'd be number one on the list. Um, there is a slew of books on missions, though, that you can find. If, if you were to put in John Piper's book, go to Amazon, they give you some recommended reading. Um, there's some other ones as well. You know, one, one 
uh, author that I do point people to is Philip Jenkins. Um, he's wrote, written multiple books on just the, how, the shifts of Christianity throughout, throughout history, now throughout the world. Uh, he would, in one of his books, he argues that Christianity is becoming uh, globally South, you know, in the Southern hemisphere. And he kind of gets in, he more of, I think, I think, I think he's a sociologist, if I'm not mistaken, but really insightful. And then you, there's a bunch of other folks who've written books on missionaries and you can read the biographies as well. Oh, that's the question I wanted to ask you before I left. Do you have a favorite missionary, historically speaking? Is there like one person you're like, you know, that guy or gal? Man, that's um, a story. I mean, I, w- I would probably say Adnarm Judson. I, I really don't have a favorite in a lot of ways. Uh, Adnarm Judson's the one that I'm most familiar with. Okay. Not by choice, but by seminary classes. And right, uh, right. I read a read two biographies on Adnarm Judson, and he's his story is awesome. So Adnarm Judson would be probably one of my one of my favorites. Yeah, and I think in addition to reading God's Word, and then you know. Uh, getting involved with other people who have a heart for missions as well. Reading a biography of a missionary can really stir the heart as well. Judson, Carey. I mean, there's a ton of folks we could, we could recommend, but find a, find a good, a good biography about a missionary and that'll stir your heart. So good, man. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's been great to get the band back together. Yeah. We won't uh, uh, other co-host Logan. We won't tell him that we did this. I don't want to make him feel jealous. I don't know, man. He, he may he may need to listen to this. I think maybe <laughs> maybe Logan should be going out as a missionary. As a missionary, so maybe Logan, does. Logan and I could uh, form a team. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll let you Former talk about that. Co co pastoral interns. We'll I'm calling them out. How about this? I'm calling you out, Logan, right now, uh, publicly. It's happening. Would you Would you go overseas with me? And my wife and uh, other team, another couple or two on our team. And his wife as well, of course. <laughs> yes. All right. It, the call has been set. The bat signal is out. We'll see if Logan responds. Maybe, maybe in the next in podcast. Court, What's that? I said balls in your court, dude. <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks, man. Thanks for joining me. Um, if, thank you for everyone for listening. You can uh, like, subscribe, share. Uh, hit the bell icon on YouTube, uh, leave a review if you like on, on podcast, on Apple podcasts, we'd appreciate that five stars or wherever you're listening, Spotify, Stitcher, all the places nobody uses. If you don't think, if you don't think cornfield theology deserves a five-star review, uh, then you must be listening to this with your ears plugged because, uh, Sean makes great content all the time. So don't insult love it. Huh? Don't insult people. What's wrong? With it's you? not insulting. I'm saying, look, <laughs> no, I'm go, go give five stars. Yeah, do it. Even I would say, even if you don't want to give it five stars, give it five stars. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Until next time, God bless. Peace out. You are listening to Cornfield Theology. You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org.